0: Well, 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 maybe it wasn't such a disaster when the Penguins lost to Washington after all, because the Caps are on the verge of winning their first Stanley Cup, which will leave them four behind Pittsburgh. But the Capitals are just filling the net right now, and guess what? Matt Murray did better against the Caps than any other goalie in these playoffs. That's what the numbers say. Of particular interest is Murray's goals against average against Washington being 3.18. Marc-Andre Fleury's is 4.08. Also, Kuznetsov leads the playoffs in scoring with 31 points. That's the second most... In any single playoff in the past 20 years, we'll talk more about that a bit later, but Kuznetsov had only six points against Pittsburgh, which is his lowest output in a series. That said, Kuznetsov did score the overtime winner in Game 6, which eliminated the Penguins. The point is, the Pens got beat by a real good team, by the very likely champions, so maybe it wasn't quite the disaster some of you made it out to be. Uh, my name is Mark Madden. If I had a dime for every time I turned on the radio and heard somebody better than me, I would have zero dimes. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call, or you could follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. The two weird things about last night's game were How did James Neal miss that empty net when it was still 0-0 in the first, about, what, five minutes in? I got a video and a blog about that on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Nealer had 6 by 4 to hit, 24 square feet of nothing but net, and he got the post instead. And then the Caps scored three goals by the end of the first period, and it was game over. Something else weird. How are the Caps winning this year when they had better teams on paper in each of the last two years? The Caps are doing more with less. Uh, Now I come to a topic I'd rather not talk about, but how can you help but? Uh, Donald Trump continues his attempt to run the NFL, uh, run or ruin. Only about 10 Philadelphia Eagles were going to go to the White House for the visit by the Super Bowl champs. So Trump withdrew the invitation and once again made an ass of himself while doing so. He tweeted about the disrespect of kneeling and staying in the locker room during the anthem, but not one single eagle took a knee during the 2017 season. Yo, the guy is just a lying manipulative jerk off the white house characterized what the eagles did as quote abandoning their fans what a load of crap Uh, trump would have just twisted the appearance to his own benefit that's why only 10 eagles wanted to go they didn't want to join trump's circus act trump acts like he has great reverence for the national anthem But he's using it as a means to an end. He's using it to divide our country, divide and conquer. Uh, LeBron James said, whoever wins the NBA isn't going. And that's good. Just get that out of the way. Uh, Here's what Tory Smith of the Eagles, here's what he tweeted. So many lies, SMH as in shake my head. Here are some facts. One, not many people were going to go. Two, no one refused to go simply because Trump insists folks stand for the anthem. Three, the president continues to spread the false narrative that players are anti-military. Uh, what Tory Smith tweeted is right on the money. And then Fox News showed photos of eagles kneeling and said it was during the anthem, but it wasn't. It was eagles praying after a game, there you go. I hate the phrase, but fake news. Uh, Zach Ertz got pictured, and he got pissed, and rightly so. Trump is manipulating the NFL for his own PR game. And some people are fooled because they want to be fooled. But this is real bad. Make no mistake, Donald Trump wants black men to do as they're told, to do as Trump dictates. That's what this is all about. Uh, The NFL has to stand up to Trump and not worry about what he says or does uh, because he's a maniac. And you can never appease a maniac enough. That's certainly what history shows. Here's what Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania said on his Twitter account. I'm proud of what the Eagles accomplished this year. I'm skipping the political stunt at the White House. And just inviting the Eagles to Congress. How about a tour of the Capitol? Right, because that wouldn't be a political stunt or anything. Is there even one politician out there, Republican or Democrat, who isn't a useless tool? So that's in the news again. And the Pirates play tonight at home against L.A. If I knew Sean Rodriguez and Gregory Polanco were definitely going to start. I'd walk up and buy a ticket, but I don't know that. The lineups are not announced yet, so I'm assuming that just about nobody will go. Even though it's being ignored by everybody but moi, the plummeting attendance at PNC Park this year is the main story with the Pirates. Low attendance and the eventual ownership reaction. You watch we got Jonathan Bombouli of the Trib at 3.30. He wrote an excellent article about the nuts and bolts of trading Phil Kessel, if that happens. I'm going to talk about that myself in just a few moments. And then we got the godfather, Stan Savern at 4.30 p.m. At some point, we'll talk about who should get the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. That was won by Sidney Crosby of this parish in each of the prior two seasons. As mentioned, Kuznetsov has 31 points, and that's a lot of points too, but Ovi has 14 goals and two goals in the final, so I bet he gets MVP as a lifetime achievement award, and deservedly so. Uh, This would be the Cavs' first Stanley Cup ever. They joined the league in 1974 as an expansion team, and in that first season, 74-75, they went 8 wins 67 losses and 5 ties i'm thinking the expansion rules back in 74 were not as liberal as they were for vegas this year in fact the capitals didn't make the playoffs for the first 8 years so maybe there's some justice there if washington beats vegas 4123339939 We've got Bombouli at the bottom of the hour. In just a moment, I'll proceed his appearance by talking about what I believe to be the nuts and bolts involved if the Penguins trade Phil Kessel. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. This is Phil Kessel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark
1: Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X.
0: The Pirates just posted their lineup on Twitter. Polanco is playing, but Sean Rodriguez is not. I'm sorry, that's just not enough. To get me to walk up and buy a ticket tonight. Uh, Marte's on the bench. I'd be lying if I told you i get it. My lineup every day would be Dickerson, Marte, and Meadows. They're trying to jumpstart Polanco, trying to get him to pull his head out of his ass. I think the best way to get him to pull his head out of his backside would be to not play him for three straight weeks. Pinch hit him once in a while. Uh, Here's the kind of tweets I get when I deliver a monologue like I I did in the first uh, segment. Rusty tweets. You're a fool to continue to rant against Trump. You were turning off half your listeners. Most Americans do not agree with millionaires disrespecting the country. Well, Rusty, go F yourself. I don't care if you listen or not. I'm going to say what I want to say on my show and talk about what I think is right. And before you call me a snowflake, I've always leaned way right. I still believe that if you're on welfare for a lengthy period of time, you should lose your vote until you get off welfare. Because all you'll vote for is more welfare. That sounds pretty far right, doesn't it? But I tried to give this guy a chance trumpet. He's just a buffoon. He's a duplicitous, despicable buffoon. And that was okay until he started effing with football, which intrudes on my turf. And, and Rusty, you don't get to say what the guys taking a knee are protesting. They're protesting social injustice against minorities. They're not disrespecting the flag or the veterans or the country. They're protesting one particular thing. Social injustice against minorities. Uh, like, like Dude said on Fox last week, I forget who it was, but if Kaepernick had taken a knee and said he was protesting that veterans don't get treated good enough upon return to the country, they don't get jobs, they don't get enough benefits, etc., he would have been hailed as a hero. And it would have been the exact same act. This is a president and a country and idiots like you, Rusty, trying to keep the black man in line. That's how you see it. You want the black man to do as he's told. I back anybody on the side of right, and those guys taking a knee to protest social injustice, they have every right to do so. I wouldn't do it, not my style, but they have every right to do so unless It's made a condition of the workplace that they can't. But so far, it has not. Not really. That non-policy, that really affects nothing. Anyway, we got Jonathan Momboli from the Trib joining us in about 10 minutes or so. And he wrote a great piece. uh, And it said, okay, what if the Penguins did want to trade Phil Kessel? which they do, but probably can't. But JB said, all right, here's what they need to get. A top nine left wing, not a star, but a legit guy, a middle pair defenseman, and prospect depth. But I'm not sure you get that, given Kessel's salary and his term and his quirks. Actually, the salary is the least of the listed concerns. But he did just get 92 points. But, yo, here's a great point made by Bomboli. In 2019, Gensel needs a new deal. In 2020, Matt Murray needs a new deal. At some point, you need cap space to sign those two. And Kessel's value will never be higher than right now. Kessel may never be more movable. But he's still not all that movable. Here's an interesting quote on Kessel. From an NHL Scott, this was in JB's article. The Scott said, sometimes five on five, he looks like he's not fully committed. Uh, like I always say, Phil is quirky. Major talent, but quirky. Like the Scott also said, when he's on, he's so good, unquote. By the way, Bob McKenzie of TSN in Canada says Phil Kessel is eminently available. Craig Custance of TheAthletic.com Athletic.com. Has Kessel number three on his list of NHL players likely to be traded, trailing only uh, Eric Carlson of Ottawa and Oliver Ekman Larson of Arizona. How about Kessel for Ekman Larson straight up? I don't have the details of the Ekman Larson contract right in front of me, but uh, I'd make that deal. Damn good deal. 412. 333-9939 is the number to call. Let's talk to Joe in the car. Joe, you're on the Mark Madden Show.
1: Mark, how's it going? Terrific. Hey, I I think the uh, Penguins educated Washington finally when they set hopey down in the earlier series, and he finally got some rest. And he got. I the, don't think
0: Holpi needed rest. I think he needed to be made into the underdog. And when Grabauer played the first two games of that Columbus series. All of a sudden, Holtby came in, down two games to none, with no expectations. Uh, again, he was the underdog. And relieved of that pressure, I think he's responded to the challenge, and he's a big reason why Washington is just one win away from the Stanley Cup.
1: Isn't that kind of what the Penguins did with Murray and Fleury? It kind of worked out. No, it's, it's oh, not at wrong.
0: all similar. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay, thank you for the call. Not at all similar. Okay, Ekman Larson makes 5.5 mil next year. That's 1.3 less than Kessel. But he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of that contract. You know what? I don't know if that deal's doable or if Phoenix would want to. Then again, we know Talkett loves him from Phil Kessel. But if you could get Ekman Larson for one year at that price, even if he walks away as a free agent... That opens up the cap space you need to sign Gensel and Murray and and then someone to replace Ekman Larson. I'd do that deal. Damn good deal. Have you figured out I'm quoting Inglorious Bastards every time I say damn good deal? I hope so. 412-333-9939. Up next, more Kessel Talk with JB, Jonathan Bombouli of the Trib, here on 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Right It's Mr. Madden, big fan. Super genius. I love the show. What he likes ain't legal nowhere, but Medaille and... The X at 105.9. Joining me now wrote a great piece about Phil Kessel in the Trib. He is hockey writer Jonathan Bomboli. JB, on a scale of 1 to 100, what are the odds of the Penguins trading Phil Kessel between now and the start of the season?
1: I like that. 1 to 100. I'm going to go up, um, under 50, but not, you know, down by the zero range. How about um, 35?
0: Now, is that because they're reluctant to trade him or because he's a hard guy to move?
1: I don't. Th- I think it's more that they would be reluctant to trade him. Um, and and the, the first, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of factors. But to me, and this is what I wrote about primarily on Sunday, um, there, the Penguins are in a position, Jim Rutherford, every move he makes is about making the team better right now. Uh, this is this is the window. The window is open. So I think it's hard to put together a deal for Kessel that makes the Penguins better right now. Um, like you know, I mean, the, the the deal that that got Kessel to the Penguins, that that kind of deal makes sense for a guy like him and a team like Toronto because they were young, they wanted to get future assets. If you're the if the Penguins were in some kind of rebuilding mode, you could get you know a good young player and a good draft pick for Phil Kessel. As it stands, you're saying to yourself, we're going to lose this guy who is our you know, power play quarterback in a lot of ways, second leading scorer last year, and we're going to get assets that are going to make us a better team without him. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. It can be done. Uh, I'm just saying it's, it's, I think it's hard to find a trade like that. I really do. Well, how
0: badly does Mike Sullivan, the coach, how badly does he want rid of Kessel? Because clearly that's an issue here
1: that's the that's the the big sort of um, you know warning label that you can put on all of this discussion because you know I, I'm trying to approach it from a sort of a practical hockey point of view saying here's what this guy does here's what you could get in return here's what those guys would do. how would that help your team score goals prevent goals et cetera but if it's a if the personality conflict is such that you know these guys aren't going to be able to work together um then, you know, that throws that balance off tremendously. Then it's just a matter of, you know, let's move the guy and get the best deal we can. I don't think that's the case, but maybe I'm, and I've said this before and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe this will burn me. Maybe I'm naive. I feel like, um, I tend to believe that the people in the room are grownups and when push comes to shove, um, you know, when it really comes right down to it, they're going to behave like it. They're going to, you know, work for the betterment of the team. So. Like I said, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I look
0: at it. Well, I hope you're right, but I'm not 100% sure you're right. And uh, Kessel wants to play on line with Gino. That's been a source of friction. Sullivan wants to create balance. And, uh, JB, to be honest, I agree with Gino on this one. I think that, that Kessel and Gino should have been put together uh, from the get-go, let alone when things got tight in the playoffs. Um, I think, I
1: mean, Look, if, if Tesla wants to play 100% of the time with Malkin and only Malkin, um, then that's a stumbling point. That's an issue. Because um, I personally think that there's time where he should play with him and then there's times where he shouldn't play with him um, based on opponents, based on matchups, based on who's going. I think a big factor that plays into this is Derek Broussard, um, who, you know, obviously when, when he got hurt near the end of the year, before Right before he got hurt, he was starting to just get a little bit together with Kessel, right? And then he gets hurt, and he, but they don't put anything together for the playoffs or at any point after that. Um, and, and you can see why that that pairing wouldn't be very attractive to Kessel. However, if you go back to the Benino line, obviously that pairing was attractive to Kessel. Um, I mean, clearly, they, they were the best line in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: but that was right a fluke, say. JB, and an accident they got put together in the first place.
1: Sure, but my point is, Phil will be happy with a line that's successful. That's my point. I was just trying. I was, you know, talking around it. If Broussard gets up and running and healthy and playing well, and he starts setting up Kessel for goals, Kessel will be perfectly fine playing with him. That's a big if, you know. I mean, there could be chemistry issue issues there. We haven't really seen them play together healthy yet. Um, I think there's a chance that they would play well together healthy. I also think there's a chance that you know they wouldn't. Um, in which case, like I said, against a lot of teams, you know, to me, you want to have that three-line concept, um, the balance on your third line, especially when you're playing against a team that has, a, like, a really vulnerable third pair. And I think that's why it worked so well in the playoffs two years ago. Like, you know, or in the, look at the finals the last two years. Like, Nashville was a team that had a great top four vulnerable third pair that's when you need to have those three lines so you can attack that third pair. San Jose was the exact same one. They had a couple guys, uh, Roman Polak on the third pair, that could be totally victimized by Phil Kessel. So depending on matchups, if you get into a playoff series with a team that's constructed like that, then you know I think Phil has to suck it up. Um, I think for the majority of the regular season, the vast majority of the regular season, Phil and Gino, perfectly good pair playing together.
0: Well, I agree that the best thing for the team would be to keep Kessel. And I think Mike Sullivan should want that, too, because if they would trade Kessel at Sullivan's behest and the team would be worse because of it, I don't think the dressing room would look real kindly upon that. And as good as Mike Sullivan's done as coach, JB, and I'm a big supporter, this is a player's team and not a coach's team. He'd do well to remember
1: that, perhaps. Well, I mean, it's a a player's league. In addition to being a players' team, it's, it's just a players' game. Well, right, but here, uh, here more than most places. Well, that may be true, and, and also, um, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> I, I said this when, uh, when he, after he won the second cup there, um, in Nashville, uh, I was just talking to somebody saying, you know, his expiration date, it's going to come a lot sooner than anybody thinks right now, because that's the way hockey teams treat their coaches. It is a terribly just cutthroat, brutal way, coaches, you know, if you're, two Cubs, great, that buys you some time, not as much time as you might think. But but that we're kind of getting a little bit dramatic with that. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, um, I don't know that, you're right, if, if the if the impetus behind a Kessel deal is Sullivan and, and the team gets worse, the heat will be on Sullivan, not just in the locker room, but in, in the hockey world in general. Uh, the same applies to Jim Rutherford. The same applies to all the decision makers involved. Um, that's another reason why I think the deal is unlikely. I mean, it's a risk. It's like the, the risk of, of getting rid of Kessel is far greater than the risk of keeping him. We're talking to Jonathan Bomboli from the Trib
0: here on the home of the Penguins, 1059 The X. Now, uh, let's go over the exactitudes of Kessel's situation. He has a limited no trade, he can pick eight teams to go to. He makes $6.8 million. That's his cap hit for the Penguins. He's signed through 2022. Uh, I think it'd be hard to trade because of the term and his quirks, but really, that six point eight mil—that's pretty affordable, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if you look at you know the the, the other uh, uh, the players of comparable salaries, I mean, what are you talking about? Like Milan Lucic is a guy that makes that same amount of money. I mean, uh, Patrick Cornquist doesn't make a whole lot less. Um, the, this, this to me, this the six point eight figure doesn't make um, Kessel less tradable. Uh, th- how he's going to age is a really interesting question to me, because um, in some respects you'd say, oh well, this is a guy who doesn't you know take off ice conditioning that seriously. He's going to age poorly. But I mean, I could see the other side of it, and the other side of it is this is a guy who doesn't um, he doesn't play a, a, that grueling a style, you know. And 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 in terms of being the guy who's quarterbacking the power play on that left half wall, threatened passes through for tap into empty nets. He could do that in a rocking chair, um, and I'm not entirely sure that that's going to age all that poorly. So that's a big question. And, and you know, every year with the cap keeps going up, and that 6.8 is going to look better and better. The, the thing for the Penguins, the reason why that 6.8 will be an issue, is just because um, net two seasons from now, Jake Gensel needs a new contract. Three seasons from now, Matt Murray needs a new contract. That's when when things start to get tight capitalized. That's when the 6.8 you start. Maybe we could use that money elsewhere, but right now, um, yeah. To me, that six point eight is—I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a bargain, but it's pretty close to a bargain.
0: Well, wait—I I might be off here. Gensel's contract expires after this next season, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. And, and then Murray after year. the after the nineteen twenty season, so Murray's uh, one year after that. So the cap the cap dilemma—I don't want to call it a dilemma because we don't know what the cap will be, but uh, but those contracts expiring aren't that far off. And isn't Kessel's maximum tradability right now after ninety-two point
1: season? Probably. I mean, that's the when I in the story that I wrote for Sunday said so there are two reasons that you might move Kessel. One of them is if you have irreconcilable differences um, with the coach, and the other one would be if you say, "Hey, we're going to have to move him eventually because of the upcoming cap crunch, and it's smart to sell high, not sell low." And this would be selling high on Phil Kessel. I don't think he's going to have another ninety-two point season, not because. I don't think much of him as a player, just because, you know, law of averages. I mean, he's normally around 70-some points. Um, so that is a concern. That, that if, you, if you said to yourself, when, when is Phil Kessel at his greatest value? Is it now, or is it a year from now, or is it two years from now? The answer would be now. So, to me, that's one of the two big mitigating factors.
0: Now, you said the Penguins should want uh, a top-nine forward, a middle-pair defenseman, and a prospect for Kessel. I agree. Uh, I think that's idealistic, but but that's what they should shoot for if they trade him. What teams might be a likely trade partner for Kessel? Who's out there that that, that would look at him and say, "Okay, this guy can help, and we can deal with them."
1: Yeah, well, I mean, th- that's another part of why I, I put that number fairly low. Um, it, it's I think the 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 profile of a team that would would add Kessel like it can't be a team that's a bottom feeder, you know, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's anybody out there that says, if we get so we stink. If we get so close we're going to make the playoffs. Um, what, what you're looking for is a team that think that is a good team but needs some scoring punch. Um, so I think that's why a, a lot of the reasons why the L.A. talk has started because that does sort of describe L.A. pretty well. Um, a team that is, you know, solid in a lot of ways but c- could use a scorer up front. Um, so it, it narrows the pool. It really does. I mean, you know, you're talking about when the Penguins got Phil Kessel. He was really, I mean, he fit the bill for what they needed at that point um, to get them over the hump. I mean, that's but that's 2020 hindsight, of course. But I mean, we now know he was exactly what they needed. So, who's the other team? You know that 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 needs what exactly what they need is Phil Kessel. I don't know. That's a really tough question. I I don't. I I don't. I don't. uh, I don't dismiss the L.A. talk. I think that makes sense to me. But, like, you know, you, you throw out a team like Carolina, for instance, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, they, they're they're a young team. They don't need a 31-year-old. Any team where you say they don't need a 31-year-old, you can cross that off your list. Your list starts to get smaller.
0: JB, great stuff. Great work with the story as well. We'll talk again soon. Enjoy the offseason. You bet. Thanks, Mark. That's Jonathan Bomboli. Check out his great work at TribLive.com. I'm Mark Madden. In just a moment, we're going to talk about the reorganization of the Miss America pageant so we can all feel better about America. Because, after all, you can't have Miss America without America. But in some ways, they're going to try to do it without Miss. 1059.
1: And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your
0: girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, bang.
1: But I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh. Wait, what? TX at 105.9.
0: Miss America has dropped its swimsuit competition. You heard me. No more swimsuit competition at Miss America. No evening gown competition either. It is now a competition and not a pageant. That is the party line from the good people at Miss America. That's great. You've come a long way, baby. But will anybody watch it now? Because I won't. What are they now? Junior high quiz? They should let men compete. Why not? In the interest of fairness, let men compete. I have no problem with no swimsuit competition, no evening gown competition. No problem at all. But they will have a problem when nobody watches. So I say put men in the Miss America competition. Drop the word Miss because that is sexist. Just call it America. Equal opportunity for men and women and LGBTQ as well. Everybody participates. It's kind of reminiscent of when men wanted to work at Hooters. The perversion of common sense by political correctness. Now, how do you win? Is it the talent competition? Hula hoop? Cello? Stupid pet tricks? How do you win? And are fat girls going to compete for Miss America now? How about ugly girls? What's all this add up to? I'm going to play a hunch and say that despite no swimsuit, Despite no evening gone, every single girl competing in Miss America looks like someone who you'd want to see in a swimsuit or an evening gone. No fatties, no uggos. You watch. That's how it's going to play out. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services, helping you build the right way since 1956. Remember that when men wanted to work at Hooters? And then Hooters wanted to put men who work there in the same outfit the girls have to wear? I'm surprised that we still do have Hooters in America, given PC. Then again, you got the offshoot, you got Twin Peaks, you got Tilted Kilt. I think both of those are closed now here in Pittsburgh. We just can't keep a good old-fashioned sexist restaurant open here in Pittsburgh. What is wrong with us? Uh, the New York Yankees are playing an 8 p.m. game on July 8 for Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Then they got a makeup doubleheader the next day in Baltimore. It'll be tight for travel, tight for getting proper rest. And the Yankees are bitching and threatening to boycott ESPN interviews all year. Oh no, not that, anything but that. They're ignoring, of course, that the final decision is made by MLB and not by ESPN. With the Yankees' face, that kind of sucks, yeah, but you know what sucks worse? Of the 17 Sunday night baseball games scheduled before the season, Because they do a lot of flex scheduling. Of the 17 games scheduled before the season, only one game of those 17 does not include a big, big market team. That sucks. Now, if you knew Polanco was going to start and you knew Rodriguez was going to start, I bet the Pirates would be on Sunday Night Baseball all the time. Uh, Legalized sports betting started today in Delaware and will spread like a virus. Uh, Getting back to Trump, disinviting the Philadelphia Eagles from the White House because only 10 were going to go, former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell, who is an Eagles fan, called Trump's decision to disinvite the Eagles, quote, bordering on idiotic. Uh, I disagree with uh, Governor Rendell. It doesn't border on idiotic. It is out and out idiotic. Uh, I emphasize again, nobody with the players taking a knee should be able to identify their cause. It's not anti-flag like Trump says. It's not anti-military like Trump says. It's about injustice for black people in the criminal justice system. Rendell also said, quote, the president should have expected this ...when he called some of the players sons of bitches... ...and said they were dishonoring the military. This has nothing to do with the military, unquote. Well, I never agreed with Rendell when he was actually the governor. But, uh... He's on the money there. Seriously, Trump. He called the football players sons of bitches... ...then he wants them to come to the White House for his friggin' dog and pony show. Uh, Again, I think Rendell's a scumbag, but he's right about all of this. The mayor of Philadelphia called Trump a fragile egomaniac and said he was embarrassed by nobody wanting to go to his party. That's all too true as well. This is all simply madness and embarrassing to our country and damaging to football, which was already pretty damaged in the first place. Uh, The baseball draft's taking place. We don't care about that because we won't see these guys Well, in the Pirates' case, with them wanting to not start that service clock, we may not see these guys drafted today in my lifetime. Uh, The Pirates drafted a left-handed hitting outfielder with the 10th pick in the MLB draft. He is Travis Swaggerty, also known as the All-American American, and he played at Alabama. The key is to develop him as slowly as possible to delay the start of his service clock. A quick pit football note, I hear the recruiting coordinator is quitting and going to go to Virginia Tech. I'm told the announcement will come within a couple days. Over 30 assistant coaches have come and gone during the Pat Narduzzi era, and he's only been there since 2015. Uh, He must be a real peach uh, to work with. Hockey note, all kinds of news today. Oh, sad news first. Dwight Clark passed away at 61 from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, he was the San Francisco 49ers wide receiver who made the catch in that playoff game against Dallas that opened the door for the San Francisco 49ers dynasty. I, I, I got to tell you, ALS, if I get it, it's in the off time. I'm not going to sit around and just be debilitated little by little, but Dwight Clark handled it very gracefully, a lot better than I would have, obviously, and uh, may he rest in peace. The Islanders in hockey fired Garth Snow, the general manager, and Doug Waite, the coach. Lou Lamorello, who was the president in charge of Hockey Ops, is now also the GM and will lead the coaching search. Uh, Gar Snow was the Islanders' GM coming right out of retirement from playing goal. The GM from 06 through today. Now, Snowy played for the Penguins, and I can say very honestly, he's one of the very stupidest men I've ever met, and yet he was somehow the Islanders' general manager for 12 years. And, uh... He missed the playoffs eight out of those twelve years, and the Islanders won exactly one playoff series under Gar Snow. Now, it looks like this means John Tavares is definitely leaving via free agency, because uh, he was a big Doug Weight guy, the coach, and uh, Weight staying was apparently a informal condition of Tavares even negotiating. But Lou's doing the right thing, telling Tavares to hike a hike because. You know, it is a player's culture in hockey, but you can't have a player literally dictate who the coach is. And even if Wade had been kept, I'm not sure that guarantees that Tavares stays. 4 one 2 3 3 3 39 in just 30 seconds. I'm going to talk about what might be going on with the Penguins right now. If they hadn't won cups in 16 and 17... Or if they had won, just one of those. I'm Mark 105.9 The X.